and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. And today in the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25, we will be unpacking God's glory, majesty, dominion, and authority to understand how the Lord will be able to make all his believers stand blameless before him. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. Where we go and where we refuse to go, what we say and what we refuse to say, what we think and what we refuse to think, will all fall into place when we have a high enough view of our majestic and holy God. And so verses 24 and 25 are beautifully reminding us that our salvation from start to faultless completion are God's handiwork. It does not depend on any of us. Our salvation from its beginning to its completion in glorification is God's doing. Being confident of this, it says in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, even if we do not remain faithful along the way. He will be faithful. Salvation is God's to initiate and God's to sustain and God's to complete. Salvation is God's handiwork. Back to Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let it be so. Let's take some time to unpack what these four things are quickly. God's glory is his intrinsic, eternal perfections, intrinsic, belonging only to him. He received these things from no one else. No created thing gave the uncreated God glory. His glory is intrinsic. His glory is eternal. It is without a beginning and without an ending, as I've said. His glory is all of the complete set of his perfections. Holiness, justice, love, mercy, wisdom. And we could go on all eternity. God's glory. And what belongs to God when we say that majesty belongs to him? Majesty, when you hear the word, at least as a Canadian, in the commonwealth of Great Britain, Canada is, when I think of majesty, I think of royalty. I think of the royal regent, the sovereign, the one who is exalted in the kingdom, the one who is dignified in magnificence. Our Joanna was in London recently after her schooling, and she had pictures she brought, and oh, the opulence and the architecture and the beauty of the palace and all the accoutrements around the royal family. And that's nothing, nothing compared to the majesty of God, his exalted being, his royal dignity, his magnificence. God is the one with glory, intrinsic, eternal perfection. God is the one with majesty, exalted, royal, dignified, magnificence. What about his power? This is his ability to do anything he purposes and decrees to do. 
Nothing and no one will stop our God. He is omnipotent. All the power that exists in the universe, he has intrinsically and eternally. He has the absolute authority over all things. He calls the shot. My heart is beating and I am breathing because he is calling the shot. He is all the power. What are you trusting him for that you've prayed for for months or weeks or days or years? He has the power to do that if it's in accordance with his will. His arm is not short to save. He knows where your prodigal child is if you don't tonight. He knows about that tumor in your body that you've told nobody about. He's God. He's omnipotent. And so he is the one with glory, intrinsic, eternal perfections. He is the one with majesty. He's exalted and royal and dignified in his magnificence. He is powerful. All the power there is to have in his created universe, he has. What about his authority? What about God's authority? God has all the authority there is to have because he's the creator, the uncreated creator. He created ex nihilo in Hebrew, out of nothing. He is the redeemer in Jesus Christ. He is the judge in Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and lord of lords, the captain of our salvation, sovereign God. He has all authority, quite the package. He has the glory, he has the majesty, he has the power, and he has the authority as God. These all belong to him in perfect measure, undiminished, undepreciable, inexhaustible. And we belong to this great God. We belong to this great God. And when we pray to him, he hears us as if we were the only one. And when we serve him with pure motives, he notices us. And he even is willing and promised to reward us when our motives in ministry are pleasing in his sight. Amazing. And as we allow Jesus Christ's life, his resurrected life, to be expressed through our personalities, Christ's life to be expressed through our opportunities, Christ's life to be expressed through our money, Christ's life to be expressed through our parenting, Christ's life to be expressed through our responsibilities. As that happens, we contribute in our own small ways in Jesus giving the glory, the majesty, the power, and the authority in ascribing that to the Father. What a benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let it be so. This benediction is reminding all of us that our salvation is from start to finish the faultless, perfect, steady, sure work of God. What a Savior. What a salvation. If you're like me, in the trenches and the potholes of Christian living, when I fall into sin, when I 
say what ought not to have been said, when I don't say what should have been said, when I think wrong thoughts, when I do things that don't honor Jesus Christ, when I leave the good things that honor Jesus Christ undone, if you can relate to any of the things that I just said, you should take great encouragement that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1. And that completion looks like Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, to make you to stand in the presence of his glory. Moses couldn't look at the glory of God in Exodus 33 without being vaporized. And God passed by Moses when God first hit him in the cleft of the rock, and God's hinder parts, his non-consuming parts, passed by Moses. Because if his consuming parts passed by Moses, and Moses looked on God's glory, he would have been vaporized. Now to him, who was able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, clothed in Christ's righteousness, blameless, with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Let it be so. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I am the youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And we want to thank you again for listening to another edition of You Talk. And today we want to continue and pick up where we left off last time. But we just want to have a little recap as we looked at two questions and we started looking to a third one in the last episode. Do you value social media interactions more than real life relationships? Are you so caught up in your social media networking that you don't have relationships outside of those four walls that you live in? Number two, does social media make you a healthier and more productive person? Do you understand that how much you need and how you take care of yourself because, like I said in the, in the previous session, we talked about how social media even hurts some people in their health because they see things on, on Facebook and Twitter that, that just cause them to be stressed out. And the last question that we started to look at, do you have any relationships through social media that you should cut off? And I want to pick up on this one. And again, we looked at the verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three: Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals, or a bad company corrupts good character. Again, we talked a little bit about how social networking, how Facebook and Twitter make it easy to connect with everyone we've ever known. And we know that some of the friends that we may have went to school with, who we grew up with as adults, and even now as, as you are in school now, we know that some people, we really should not be friends with them on Facebook. As we know that they will post things on Facebook that will hinder our Christian walk, Um, that will cause uh, um, slander and gossip. And we know that even pictures they post, we know that they may cause us to stumble into even deeper sins that even for us that we struggle with on a daily basis. I think that we need to understand it as we think of these relationships and we understand the point that we need to cut some of these relationships off. Even as we think of uh, relationships, we need to understand that also even pages that we like. If you know anything about Facebook, there are many times that you could go on Facebook and you see a, a picture that someone has liked and you think to yourself, especially as, as a born-again believer, you think, why did they like that page? You know, we have to understand that whatever we put there out for people and we like a page or we like a picture, everyone is going to see that in the world. You see, we sometimes... 
even tell people, well, why are you a Facebook stalker? But the reality is that if it, anything we do on social media, it is out there for the whole world to see. We can't hide it. You know, we need to understand that as we think of all relationships, there are some that we just better are better not to be involved in. It's better as we think of our Christian walk, how can we be more like Christ? Does this person, and this is a question that I like to ask ourselves, and I like to tell our young people to ask themselves. Are you being an example of someone that's bringing people to Christ or pushing people away from Christ? It's the same thing as that relationship. Is this person bringing you closer to Christ or are they pushing you further away from Christ? Are they keeping you accountable in your relationship with Jesus Christ or are they pushing you away? Which brings me to a, the, the second question we want to look at. Does social media help you be content? First Timothy 6, 6 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, social media can, can just help us as we see what people have. It can bring us that insecurity as we want more. We're not satisfied with what we already have. You see, too many times in our lives we see the pictures and we think of people have a house and we see a car they may have and you know, they got a new iPhone, a new Samsung phone, whatever it is, and we think to ourselves, I want that. I'm not satisfied with what I have. You see, this is what the internet, this is what social media does. It, it makes us incontent. It makes us want more, jealous of people. Philippians 4, 11 to 13 says this, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be bought low. I know how to abound in. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, we need to understand that we need to be content in everything that God has given us. Because we need to understand that God has given us each and every gift that we have. And he is perfect. Every gift that he has given us is perfect. And it, you know what? It is there to serve a purpose. I want to challenge you as you think of, of social media and you think of these pages and your friends, as you, as you think of all of these different relationships that you, and, and Twitter that you, you, know, you see, are you content, the things that you see? Does it make you upset because you think to yourself, well, I don't have that. I wish I had that. Or are you content in what God has given you? You see, the secret to contentment is not having everything you want but being thankful with what you have. I want to read that again. The secret to contentment is not having everything you want, but being thankful with what you have. You may be listening to this and you say, you know what, I want more. And you know what the reality is, in, in, in our culture teaches that. We all want more. But we have to be thankful for what God has given us. And I would challenge you to, to really ask yourself, am I content? Am I happy with what God has given me? You know, I just want to uh, stop here as, we, as we, could, we get ready to close. And I want to just challenge us because I've even had some response from people in the last couple of weeks as, as we think of this and we, and we think of youth talk. You know, this is not just geared just strictly toward our youth because we know that many adults are on social media as well. We know that adults struggle with these things and adults need to cut off different relationships and adults aren't content in what they have. You see, we need to understand that God is calling each and every one of us to be content. 
And I know sometimes when we when we come to these sessions and we t- we're talking and we think we're talking to you, youth, we think to ourselves, I don't need to listen. But you see, God's word is clear for whether you're a teenager straight to adult, that we need to understand that God has called us and he has told us that we need to honor God in our relationships as well as in everything that we have. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening today on You Talk. I'm excited to invite you as listeners to consider joining us for a very special time of World Missions Emphasis at our church on March the 26th, which is a Sunday, and March the 27th, the Monday, we're going to have our annual emphasis on world missions under the theme, Get in the Game, Change the World. Our guest speaker is going to be Dale Losh, who serves as president of Cross World Mission. Dale is a dynamic speaker, and he's going to speak four times. On the Sunday at 9.30 a.m., Dale's topic will be God's answer to Larry King based on Luke 10, verses 25 to 42. And then at 11 a.m. on the Sunday, Dale will speak on the topic, What's so great about God? Based on Jonah, chapters 3 and 4. Then at lunchtime on the Sunday, we'll have a lunch together, and Dale will speak on the topic, Your Two Cents Worth, based on Matthew 10, 40 to 42. On Monday evening, March the 27th, Dale's last talk will be God Loves Mondays, based on Luke 19. That meeting will start at 7 p.m. The following Sunday, April the 2nd, we will have a special emphasis on our own Bahamian missionaries who will bring reports in the 11 a.m. worship service. We hope that you can join us for encouragement and equipping in the reaching of the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, friend. It's good to have Patrick Rutherford with us in the studio. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Fine, thank you. Hey. Patrick's with Precept Ministries, Regional Director for the Caribbean. We are going to talk a little bit about Christian education this morning. First question, how do the following educational forces best work together in the education of a Christian child? Three forces, school, church, and home. <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question, Pastor uh, Rob. Yeah. I think the foundation is God's Word. That's my pet answer. God's Word has to be foundational in the school, uh, in the home, and in the church. I think it starts in the home, Pastor Rob. Yes. With mom and dad being deliberate. I don't want to get legalistic and say every day at 5 a.m. the whole family has to be up at the breakfast table. But if that's what it takes, then go for it. But starting the day in God's word, uh, my son and I, whom I have the pleasure of dropping to school on most mornings when I'm in town, he'll take the little testament, the little pocket testament out of the glove compartment, and we've been reading through Proverbs, and we'll read two or three verses, and we'll say, well, what on earth is this going to do for us today? How do we get through this? I like that. And so it starts at the home, but I can't tell you how many times he's come home from school and say, Daddy, you remember that verse we read this morning? Here's how it showed itself up today at school. Is that right? See? Fantastic. And so, um, again, so you get that, that, those three tiers, those three levels of home and school. Or sometimes he'll come home and say, Daddy, guess, guess what? Guess what? Guess what I learned at school today? And guess what my teacher said when we were studying Bible or science or whatever? And he says, Daddy, this is what we were talking about. Or he'd say, uh, or one of them would say, or one of the girls would say, 
this is what we talked about last week in Sunday school. And so they're, they're, the point I'm making is they should all be there. There should be an intertwining. Um, uh, you, you shouldn't shortchange or take out one. In other words, you can't just have school and church or school and home or church and home. I, I think they're all interrelated. I think that's a great answer, a great perspective. Yes. The only thing I might add to it is that let's be practical. A child spends most hours at home, <laughs> second most hours at school, school, and the least amount of hours at church. Well said. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. What are the typical characteristics of a Christian child who is well-rounded? The typical characteristics of a Christian child who is well-rounded, how would they look? Yeah. Hmm. They would be mannerly. When I say mannerly, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, yes. ma'am. But yes. respect for authority. Yes. Uh, whether it's an older, older person or a younger, older person. Uh, they would um, be very helpful to all around them. Uh, whether they like the person or not. Mm. Uh, a well-rounded child, when he makes a mistake or she makes a mistake, would fess up to their mistake. That's important. And take responsibility for their actions. Yes. Um, Pastor Rob, we homeschooled all of our children. And the day we knew they were ready was when they said, when they started taking responsibility for their actions. We knew they were ready for traditional school. Interesting. Um, that was the benchmark. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Maybe the simplest answer, everything you said was great, but yes. maybe the simplest answer of what are the typical characteristics of a Christian child who's well-rounded would be Christ-likeness. Absolutely. That's the home run swing right there. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's something. Um, what happens when Christian parents back off from teaching their own children to be Jesus followers in favor of letting the school or the church do it for them. Oh dear. May it never be, Pastor Rob. May it never be. May it never be. I think you mentioned earlier that um, the child spends most of their time at home, secondly at school, thirdly at church. Yes. If I leave my church to be responsible for teaching my child, then that's only an hour a week by right. way of Sunday school. Right. That's a scary thought. Maybe another hour to one of clubs or kids clubs. But Absolutely. Or choir or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so um, you can only expect trouble. And you can define that trouble in any way you want. But all you will reap is trouble because you've neglected your God-given responsibility to train up that child. Sow the wind and reap a whirlwind. Absolutely. And with the sins that a parent approves in moderation, the child usually approves in excess. Yes. So many subliminal messages we send our children, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Often what we, not only what we do or say, it's what we don't do or say. Correct. Correct. Well, may we partner uh, with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, in home life and build upon it in school life if possible and build upon it on the church, the local assembly. Absolutely. Amen. 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 It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary 
are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. I have a question from the Gospel of John 9, verse 39. The question is this. How do we reconcile Jesus' statement, for judgment I came into this world, with the words in John chapter 3, verse 17, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world? Answer. Although these statements may appear contradictory, they are saying different things. The difference is between purpose and result. Purpose and result. Jesus did not come for the purpose of condemnatory judgment, John 3, verse 17, but his coming results in sifting or separation as people are divided according to their responses to him. The inevitable result of Christ's coming is that people must make a decision for or against him, and this decision determines their destiny. Listener, have you made a decision about Jesus Christ? No decision is a decision to reject him. He is the great divide in all of human history. I urge you, if you've never bowed your knee to him in faith, acknowledge the sinfulness of your own heart and the need of his shed blood to wash you clean and make you whole. Not to delay, you may not have tomorrow. Trust him alone to be your savior from sin and then tell some true Christians around you ASAP of your decision so they can help you and encourage you to grow new in your new relationship with the Lord Jesus. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.